1: Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Karen Black. Karen is a qualified couples counsellor, family therapist, and relationship therapist. In 2019, she received the East Midlands SME Most Dedicated Relationship Therapist Award. <laughs> Karen has worked at GP surgeries, in patient units, Sure Start centres, and in private practice, and sat on the ethics board at the College of Sexual and Relationship Therapy. She has spoken on BBC Radio and other media outlets about relationships and self development topics. So, Karen, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Uh, I've been researching the work you've been doing, and I'm fascinated to have this chat with you. So, I want to say, first of all, um, it's first thing in the morning for you on the other side of the world. So, thanks for. Um, getting up and making the time to do it.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Appreciate it. Yeah, no no problem at all. Um, so the first question, before we go into the interview, we normally just ask the guest um, to give just a bit of a, a background on um, the work that you've done and how you got to where you are today, um, if that's okay.
2: Okay. So the work I've done. So, oh, blimey. I mean, I haven't always been a therapist. Okay. I, uh, I was actually in IT many moons ago. So, um, and I, I was um, an IT trainer, I got really bored with that after a while, because every day is the same thing over and over again, and you can't really vary it. And so mm. I thought I need to do something else, but I like people. And that was how it started. Now, another aspect of that was that I, I was not very good at relationships, to be honest with you. I was um, awful. And uh So I thought, I need to do something here. And in the beginning of my book, there is actually um, a snippet uh, about that, about how I came to be a a therapist. Um, Mm. So, you you know, you can read about that. I'm not going to go through all of that. Um, But it was part of the reason why I became a relationship therapist. Um, Yeah. um, Once I got into it, I I realized that I really quite enjoyed it, actually. And uh, I was doing it uh, not just for myself, but then it became to to like the work that I did with people and work with a couple and see how they developed and their dynamic and uh, um, just amazing, the, the stories that I've heard and um, all of that. it really, really enjoyed it. I went on to do quite a lot of uh, courses in, about relationships and uh, worked in um, a lot of different places. So I became a family therapist too and uh, worked in uh, an eating disorder unit, inpatient unit for teenagers. Um, and, of course, there all the skills that I had working with couples came to, um, well, it was incredibly useful because it was, a lot of the time I was working with the parents and their relationship in order to get um, the environment at home um, so that it would be supportive of their teenager coming back home and actually working through what needed to be worked through at home. Mm. So, um, you know, all of that, I've, I've done lots of things. I've uh, I set up my private practice um, where I uh, worked with couples, mainly from a psychosexual point of view. Um, but, of course, you know, sex and relationships are not two different things. They are uh, one Uh, And the same. And Mm. in many cases, I found that people were looking at it as if it wasn't the same thing, as if sex was one thing and the relationship was another. So it was to sort of to engage the two aspects of the couple and um, get them to really realize that, you know, if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you reach for is your phone, rather than turning around saying good morning to your partner, then Mm. you're not really starting off. Um, fostering the kind of atmosphere that you might like for when you want to have sex, when you want to make love, when you want to be cosy together or whatever it is that you want to do that's more physically intimate. Um, So I started Hmm. thinking about, look, I I need to get out there and actually start writing about this stuff because it's really quite simple for people to get their head around once they have a little bit of information and that was why I started writing my blog. So uh, one of my most um popular post was about that actually and uh, it it's called when i love you turn to i love you or when i love you turn to love you you know so when you first meet each other you you say oh i love you and and all of this as you settle down into a routine you you grab your bag as you rush out the door and say love you and off you go So you lose that kind of intimacy in the words that you say when you say, I love you. I mean, can Mm. you remember the first time you told your partner that you loved them? Wow. I mean, that was something that made the heart beat fast, wasn't it?
0: Mm. Mm. So we lose that
2: over time. Yeah. I mean, it really does. So we lose that over time if we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And so it's very simple. I love you compared to love you. It's, It's so different. And what goes on in that time that we move from one to the the other is where all the the stuff happens that um, eats away at the, the, the lovely stuff in our relationship. Yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So. That's fascinating when we when we wake up in the morning and we turn to our phone and we look at that and then we rush out the door not having really connected with our partner and then we come home and we go straight to the computer check all the emails after work and or we go out or we play on on a playstation or, or any of this the connection is lost so by the time we get to evening which when the kids are in bed and and everything is done and we have a, a couple of moments to ourselves we turn to our partner and and want more than just a good night, the connection isn't there. It's lost. Yeah. And we haven't got time to re-establish it. And that's when, if you do manage to have sex in that kind of relationship, it becomes an automatic thing, a functional thing. It's not enjoyable. It's not the kind of thing that that you really imagined would be in your relationship. Hmm. So yes, what I usually say is the foreplay starts the moment you wake up.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the whole yeah, well this whole air subject matter, you know, fascinates me and and you know what you said before as well that um you got into this area because you had your own problems with relationships, but I think that's so universal because um like so many things with our emotional well-being and psychology, we don't get taught it in school. We don't get often taught through You know parenting or it doesn't get passed down so we have to sort of learn through trial and error or falling flat on our face or sometimes we don't learn so it's um again why i'm so interested to talk to you about all of this because it's something that you know we yeah we have to sort of find out for ourselves or you know we get fed a lot of these hollywood sort of ideas of what Mm -hmm. love's meant to be and um it's not really the case so it's 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 an interesting area it's it's so fascinating
2: it is absolutely yeah, yeah. I mean, we we do we do move through life and we pay attention to the things that we want, so we want a career, so we pay attention to to what it is that we need to do there, maybe we want mm. an education, we pay attention to that, we want a car, we pay attention to that how are we going to get mm. it? we save up the money and we dream about driving it and and all of this kind of stuff. We want the relationship, but we don't really work towards that so we don't imagine what it is to have that long-term relationship we yep. just sail into it and take it for granted most of the time that it's always going to be there
1: yeah and do you think a lot of the time it's looking at a relationship to sort of either tick a box or fill a void that okay I need that to be okay with you know that's another thing like buying a house I've got that ticked off but not realizing that there's no end point to it you know it's more about I guess, like you you were talking about before, um, servicing it day in, day out and enjoying it. And, you know, it takes, I guess, two people to be actively working on it um, rather than, you know, OK, I've ticked that box. That'll be OK. It's not really how it works. I, I don't think. I mean, I'm not I'm not the expert here, but sort of from what I've learned, I think it's well, you're and what you're saying. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, I mean, we... we um... The thing is, with society, they they do have some, uh, there's expectations of us, isn't
1: that?
2: You know, we we get together with somebody, perhaps, uh, and if we don't, then we're odd, and people try to matchmake us and and do all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. You know, if you're single, that can't be right. You know, there must be something wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Or maybe you're just enjoying life for a little while, and you'll find your own way. And if you're in a partnership and you're not married, then people are expecting you to get married and have kids and do all the things that everybody else have been doing for centuries. And it's not necessarily what we want and when we want it. So very often it's society that's driving us towards creating something that perhaps isn't quite right for us. But then Mm -hmm. we think, well, this is what relationships are like. This is what we need to just make do with. Yeah. Um, And that just isn't right so that that is um then it's time to look at ourselves and see what it is that we are doing for us yeah okay how are we interacting with uh, the person we're with what is it that we do to make the relationship not quite right Mm -hmm. so like you say there's two people that makes it who makes this work so if you look at the relationship as a third party so you've got two partners and the relationship, what is it that you're both putting into the relationship to make it work? Yeah, see, it's, it's something that exists between two people, isn't it? Hmm. It's not something where, you know, Absolutely. That we are um, joined together in, a, and we can't move in and out off. A hmm. good relationship is the kind of relationship where you can move in and out and you meet in it, or you might be on there in the relationship by yourself, doing things, preparing things, doing a meal, doing something nice at home, a nice surprise or something like that. That's when you're in the relationship. You're thinking about it. You're paying attention to it. You're doing something to really make it work and make it enjoyable to be in for both of you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other
2: partner joins in and hopefully they're going to be going, oh, wow, this is really nice. What can I do to contribute to this as well?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And when I talk Absolutely. about contributing to a relationship, I'm not talking about it um, in, a, in a kind of materialistic way. It's more about what you bring. So do you bring the kind of thing that the relationship needs in that moment?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. You
2: know, or are you going into the relationship needing something in that moment? And are you willing to say what it is that you need?
1: So communication exactly. is such a big part. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, I've, I've been interviewed on BBC radio, local BBC radio a few times and uh, uh, about relationships. And one of the things that uh, one specific interviewer uh, always says towards the end of the interview is, but it's all about talking, isn't it? And yes, it is. But it depends on what you talk about.
0: Mm. So
2: we can talk about the neighbors or the family members or the latest gossip or the sports on TV or, or whatever it is that we, we talk about. But if it's not about what it is that we are experiencing, our own inner thoughts and emotions, then it's not going to get us very far in the relationship.
1: Yeah, if it's not. So if you're not being vulnerable, really showing that vulnerability and have, being brave enough to really be honest and show that it's going to, yeah, it's not going to go down the right pathway.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Also, of course, if you if you want to feel safe being vulnerable, because we can't just go in and feel vulnerable, show our vulnerability, because sometimes that's not safe. Yeah. Um. So we need to learn to trust as well. So we need to learn to trust that, that the person we are with is actually going to receive our vulnerability and be able to hold it. And that can be something that... The relationship might need a little bit of help with because that's mm-hmm. a point when uh, it's easy to slide into becoming defensive mm-hmm. so somebody opens up and becomes vulnerable and say well you know I'm, I'm I feel I don't know I, I, I feel really lonely when when you go out with your mates or something like that and they they, they might take it as um as a criticism of them and then get defensive. Well, I've got to get out. And of course they have, but that's not actually what was said. It wasn't a criticism of them going out. It's it's more of a feeling of this is how I feel. So the way yeah. that it can best be received is for the other person to go, Oh wow, I didn't realise that you felt like that.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. Do you want to
2: talk about it. And then you open it up a little bit more, and then it's safe to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because then that it's makes held. Sense. Yeah. It's, it's not a matter of um, knocking it down or placating. And, you know, once upon a time, mm. we used to think that placating was a good thing. <laughs> it's yeah. not so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Definitely it, not. It's, I mean, the, the subject is so big, Nick. It's, it's, yeah. You could talk there's, all day on, on this.
1: There's so many elements to it. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I guess another question I have that I guess you I hear about and you see a lot is um, how people become so you know dependent on on each other in relationships and whether you know how how important do you think it is to um give yourself the time to really work on yourself before you enter into a relationship or i mean you see so many that are codependent or people that have have all of these unresolved problems and then they sort of fall into their partner and try and use that as a way to escape everything else. And and then when that relationship ends, they completely fall apart because they, um, you know, that's, which isn't a healthy thing, but I, I don't know what, I don't know whether you know what the statistic is, but I remember reading something about saying it was something crazy. How many, you know, relationships are, um, codependent, how many are unhappy and how many marriages end and all that sort of stuff is, is that a, you know, a big thing?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking attachment theories here. Yeah, now, how yeah. How people are. Um, and, and those are the kind... Well, whether we should work on ourselves and sort ourselves out before we enter into a relationship, I don't believe that we will ever have a relationship in that case because I think mm. that we will always be working on ourselves throughout our lives. It's not a, a, a journey with an end. It's a continuous yeah. thing. And once you yeah. start... Becoming more self aware and um, knowing uh, that actually discovering your own inner landscape is, is mm-hmm. something that's, that could be quite interesting and adventure mm-hmm. and quite satisfying. And you can become more, you know, happier with your life and more content and more independent and all of this. The journey will never end because there's always another layer to you. Um, yeah right. So it, it's—I don't think it's a matter of sort yourself out before you get into a relationship. Some of the issues that we have, we won't know about until we're in a relationship. Mm. So we need that mirror of our partner to reflect back at us what it is that we need to work with. And this is where relationship therapy is really, really good because as I sit there talking with couple a couple, one person will say something. And you get the reflection in the dynamic from the other. Yeah. But it's full of their own stuff. And so whether in individual therapy, you can sit and you just talk about what it is that your own interpretation is of what is going on for you. And it can take quite a while then to get to the bottom of it. When you have two people sitting in the room who know each other quite well, they reflect of each other. And you can get to the... Um, you can get there really quickly, actually, to to what it is that this uh, attachment um, is creating, and how we can get to it and and uh, work with it.
1: That's um, yeah, which is really interesting, and I yeah. yeah, I guess from my own personal experience and with friends, I've you know spoken to people who have um, you know gone down that path where they're saying you know I'm I've got too many problems, I've got to work on myself, I've got to, and I've even heard psychologists say it, which you know, I've got to get sort through this until you're ready to have one. But I guess like you're saying, it sort of makes sense because there is no end point and you can, um, you know, you're never going to 100% resolve that certain things you're going to keep learning. So um, yeah. that, that makes sense what you're saying. I guess, what What about on the other side, if it's a relationship where you've got um, someone who is, you know, openly working on themselves and going down that, that pathway, but then there's someone else who has different emotional problems but isn't willing to confront or acknowledge them can that often be difficult for that relationship to maintain if it's there's that sort of lack of yeah
2: then yeah it's uh, something that i also talk about in my book that if if one person um uh, develops yeah um and the other one doesn't then there's going one one grow outgrows the other yeah so how how a relationship usually works is that, and it's a constant thing. One one person develops and then the other person catches up and perhaps develops a little bit more and then the other one develops. And so you move forward mm. like that, constantly developing. Yeah. Uh, we may not notice it. We may not be doing it on purpose, but we always will because life experiences do that to us. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> so... um where there is a um, a difference in development in couples what i've noticed is that um relationship therapy obviously can can help on that but mm-hmm. also what i often see is that one person will begin and the other one will begin to think oh this is uh, this is interesting or oh maybe i should be looking at myself as well or something will be reflected back at them and they suddenly realize that Wow, yeah, no, I do do that. Perhaps I need to work with that. So Mm -hmm. there's various ways that this. it's not set in stone. Of course, there's times when the relationship just doesn't work. It just doesn't because of one person having developed and the other one not. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's just a matter of that's life. You know, we cannot go into a relationship and expect no challenges and no obstacles and we can hope that it's going to last forever but that does depend on two people working together at it lasting forever
1: yeah yeah
2: so you don't know what's going to be thrown at you at some point in life and you don't know whether the yeah go on
1: oh no you sorry you (laughs) keep going yeah
2: you don't know whether the other person actually wants to do that further down the line or whether they're capable of doing it So we're putting a lot of trust and investment into an institution, the marriage, if you like, um, without really having any guarantees that it is going to, to work the way that we are hoping.
1: So is a better approach then to be looking at it just sort of, you know, more in the moment of how can we make the most of this right now and not thinking too much ahead of whether it is or isn't going to be, you know, something
2: forever? Well, um, for me personally, looking at uh, my own relationship, I look at it, I now look at it as a journey. Mm-hmm. So, mm. how can I develop in this relationship? What is it that I can do to develop me and my partner? And how can we help each other along the journey? Yep. So there is no guarantee that we're going to last forever. I hope we will yeah but uh but there's no guarantee we're working i mean we're, we're great teamwork in in all kinds of ways he's just uh um been made redundant uh during this covid time so he's gone independent working from home i'm working from home and i tell you what i'm really glad that i've got my office in the garden away from the house <laughs> and he's in there because if we were in the same house all day every day i don't think this would work yeah. so even in the even in a good relationship There are things that you just, you cannot expect. If you're expecting everything, you're expecting too much.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And and I think where it's probably a problem more than ever now, I would think with all of the dating apps and, you know, everything's become quite transactional where people are expecting everything to be perfect. And I guess it's probably a symptom of, um how every you know people wanting instant gratification not just in relationships in work in everything um i presume that is a, a bigger problem than ever now where people are not even exploring um certain relationships because they think oh, if a problem comes up maybe i'll just get rid of that and try and find something better um yeah is that I, yeah i think
2: that that there's lots of different um there's lots that's happened over the last, I don't know, 50 years, 40, 50 years, I don't know, um, regarding society and relationships. Mm. So um, it's not that long ago. It, it used to be that you got together with somebody and that was it for life.
0: Yeah. You, you yeah. didn't
2: have a choice. Divorce? What? You know, um, I was a single mum when I was 30 and um, taking my, my, So we lived in a village Uh, Taking my boy to primary school, um, I got talking to other mums and dads and stuff like that, standing at the school gate. And uh, a couple of times, two individual people said to me, oh, it's such a shame you haven't got a husband. You could have come to a dinner party. You know, so and that's not that long ago.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, it's not so that long that are, yeah.
2: there are still those ideas of, um, of who we are if we're on our own, who we are if we're with a partner. So if yeah. society tells us we have to be with somebody, we tend to possibly stick with the wrong person for too long.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um,
2: also, the... Um, we, With the way that things have changed, I think there's good and bad about it. We're more free now. We can go out and have the relationships that perhaps we need or want, um, test out what it is that we need in a relationship, because we're not going to know that until we're in one. Yeah. Um, But it's also perhaps too easy to do it, too easy to flip in and out of a relationship, so we don't have to try.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: We don't have to face those obstacles and work out. I mean, it may be that a relationship isn't right for us long term, but working out how to work through obstacles is something that we need to know for all relationships, not just the one we're in.
1: Yeah, that makes um, sense.
2: Yeah, so that there's there's lots of things that have changed for relationships lately.
1: And do you think there's sort of no, you know, no two people that are Perfect for each other—that you know, what, soulmatey
2: any... kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and um
2: <laughs> sorry, I, I don't believe in soul soulmate. soulmates. <laughs> is when you're infatuated with somebody. Okay, that's the kind of that's... oh, you're my soulmate. I never dreamt I would meet anybody like you. <laughs> I've never felt like this before, and we say it every time we fall in love. Yeah, and
1: so <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was younger, you know, wanting to chase that. But I've got friends that even now, you know, I'm, I'm 33 and I've got other friends that are still doing that same thing where they'll, you know, meet someone and say, Oh no, you know, I've, I've, I've met the right one. I'm, I'm in love. This is, that's after, after like a week of meeting them and then it, and it, it always ends, you know, a month later, but it's like chasing that high, um, which I think it's an interesting thing for people listening as well. You know, there's a very big difference isn't there between that and um, what an, an actual you know meaningful relationship would be um, I guess what the way it's been or well, my understanding would be a meaningful a, a real relationship would be the same unconditional love and support that you would have and give to you know a sibling or your parents or that kind of thing mm. whereas the other ones this absolute just intoxication with like a drug-like feeling I guess
2: yeah, and imagine that for a lifetime. That's not healthy, is it? That's going to cause some health problems along the way. If you could, if you could nurture that for a lifetime, it isn't possible. And I don't <laughs> think it's 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 good for you anyway, because you know while you're in love, you don't see all the other stuff. Mm. Um, it's yeah. it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? It's it's fantastic feeling. But
1: oh, so I remember when yeah, when I first fell in love, it was just this. Oh my God, like you can't, you literally can't think about anything else. That's Yeah, just,
2: yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like so being on drugs. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> so no, I mean, I've had plenty of clients come to me and one will say, um, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Mm. You know, mm. and we've managed to, most of the time, we've managed to work through that one and actually discover what that that love means and what being in love means and that in love feeling that, that you get even after the initial infatuation stage um of seeing your partner and your heart still skips a beat mm. it can last for a lifetime but it's not gonna be every time you look at them
0: you yeah know? yeah
2: and and part of that is also part of what we contribute to the relationship so to get your heart skipping a beat when you look at your partner, you need to nurture the good stuff that you see in them. Yeah. yeah? So yep. you need to remind yourself why you love them and remind them why you love them. And it needs to be a two way thing. It can't be a one way thing or it's going to get very exhausting.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So that's
2: how, how you you get that skip skipping heart every now and again when you when you see them walking towards you or, or something like that, meeting up with them. Or just they've filled the car, they go in and pay, they come towards the car and you go, oh that's him or her. You know, it's it's it can still happen. But you need to carry on nurturing what it is that you like about your partner.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: It's not gonna be the overwhelming I'm in love with you and, and you know, you're my everything. And actually in a relationship where one person is the everything There is a serious attachment issue there. Yeah. Yeah. So attachments work in the way that um, one person can be really, really needy, really dependent on the other. And that can work if it is the other person needs somebody who's really dependent on them. Yep. Yeah. But that's also an attachment issue. Mm. So if we have attachment issues that match, that fit together like Lego, will be okay for a while.
1: But it's not but healthy, some, is it? Yeah.
2: Well, at some point it'll throw up something. Yeah. Yeah? It'll throw up something that is caused by one or the other developing a little bit more and perhaps seeing, oh I don't like this dependency. I need you to get off me, you know. Mm. Or mm. I don't like being dependent on you all the time. I had mm. a, a case once where um, it's one that is in the book as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, is um, a couple came to see me, and, and the the woman had been um, going to therapy and exploring a lot of things about herself, and um, she was developing a lot, um, and beca- became. Um, so she was quite clingy and attached to him. She became more independent and was able to stand back. And she said she felt as if she'd grown a couple of inches because of it. She felt Mm. so much better about herself. Now, he was really upset because he didn't feel that she needed him anymore. Yeah. So working through that relationship, it ended up with him actually really enjoying the fact that she was able to be independent because it set him free as well. So they didn't have to split up, but they just needed to know how to let go of each other enough and still have to still have a relationship. So it it turned out that their relationship was really quite nice after they'd been able to let go of the neediness and the needed to be needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it is possible that we can draw, uh, we can get together with somebody who matches with our, who's the opposite, perhaps, of our attachments um, style. And it works and we are compatible and we might um, have huge arguments, but we like getting back together afterwards and um, doing all of that. Um, But at some point, the explosion is going to happen and it's not going to work. But we can still work it out and still nurture that relationship. The thing is with relationships, the longer you're together, the more history you have. And it's the history, very often, that's the glue in our relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. All our experiences, it's what keeps us together. So when you talk with somebody who's in a long-term relationship, and they might be talking about leaving that relationship, you'll often hear them say that they've got so much together. They don't necessarily mean materialistic stuff. They mean all the stuff that's behind them. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to start again. How can they start again with a new partner when they haven't got anything to share anymore? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's hard. So it
2: is. It's hard. It's tough. And, you know, your partner, even if you don't want to admit it, your partner actually knows you so well. And we are expecting quite a lot from that, from our partner knowing us in that way. And we don't realize that until we are with a new person and they don't know us. And suddenly we're having to explain everything again. All the things that came natural.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a really tough thing.
2: Yeah. So relationships, um, people who break up from relationships, the average length of time it takes is three years. That's average. Wow. In a long-term relationship. So average from the first serious thought of this is not working for me, I need to split up, until the moment they say, they tell it out loud, this is not working for me, let's split. Three years. Oh, wow. Three years of yeah. thinking about this.
1: My God, that's a long, long time of that yeah. thought, isn't it? Bloody hell. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of what can go together in a relationship, so like sometimes... Would there, if you don't have the right, the same values, or it's just two very different personalities, or are there certain things that just often don't gel together or don't work, or is it more, do you think it's more just a case by case thing on the two people that meet and whether things connect or not? I guess there's no rule. I
2: I don't know. No rule for it. There's no rules. No. There isn't really. I mean, it, it's not as if there's a recipe there. And then, <laughs> yeah. go if you're this kind of person, go out and look for this kind of person. Yeah, because there's always yeah. there's always variances on that one, isn't that? Yeah. So I, I think it's trial and error, and and also just letting yourself enjoy it.
1: Hmm. That's and, an important one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I see so many um, younger people now. Well, people in the twenties then worrying about. Are they going to find the right one? Is this the right relationship for me? Uh, Am I doing the right thing? Um, All of those kind of things. And, And if you worry about it, then chances are you're going to worry yourself out of the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So we need to learn to just enjoy the moment right here, right now, and make the most of what it is that we have. But also be willing to say, okay, I need my bit and you can have your bit, you know, and then we can meet again. So we go out and we do separate things and we come back and meet again. And that actually really does make a relationship so much nicer. And it's something that we've felt through this COVID. We've been cooped up, cooped up. I mean, here in the UK, we have been cooped up, it seems like, since March. You know? It's a long <laughs> time. Of, it's a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. restrictions on how we can socialise and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, And at the moment, they're talking about perhaps lockdown again over Christmas. It, it's just madness, but I can see the reasons for it. Um, but as far as relationships are concerned, you know, when you're cooped up like this, more and more people working from home and they haven't got the scenario necessarily that I have here where we can mm. create a little bit of distance. Um, what they have is uh, some of them working in the same room over the kitchen table or something like that or sitting on the seat mm. with their laptops. They're together too much and there's no variation. They can't go out and uh, meet up with mates. They can't go to work. They can't go anywhere. So they're cooped up without anything else and that's where the problems begin. We are social animals. We need more than just one person in our life. Mm -hmm. And if we only have one person that we can talk to and interact with um, about life, about our experiences we're expecting too much from that person. And at the moment we're being forced into that situation of expecting too much of yeah. one person. I mean, it's yeah. not designed that way, but that's the way it's working. Yeah, at exactly. The moment, at the moment, divorce rates are shooting through the roof in this country. <laughs> wow. it, it, it is absolutely astonishing. Okay. Some relationships maybe would have ended up there anyway, but definitely not all. Yeah. It's really, really sad. And, we have never had to be so patient and accepting of our partner as we are now yeah you know we have we have had to learn to let a lot of things go because everybody are stressed everybody are anxious and we're all just grinding our teeth and and wanting to roar like a trapped tiger and get out there and just go running
0: you yeah. know, away exactly. from it exactly but yeah. we
2: can't because it's everywhere so yeah. it's what we need is realize that we just need to accept whatever it is that's going on and not take anything personal. Um mm. and if we can just make a blimming joke out of it because it's it's the only thing we can do. It is going to come to an end and we will be able to to go back to the way that life um was or perhaps not maybe it'll be different but it'll certainly not be the way it is now. Yeah. So patience, acceptance and just if you can't stand it, go and lock the door in the toilet and just put your earphones in, you know. <laughs> Remove anything. yourself, yeah. yeah. You can't make a decision on about relationships in challenging situations. It's the wrong yeah. time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I think that, that exactly being able to look at it like that because you'll just explode otherwise. It's just not not sustainable if you're going to yeah, be putting no. putting that kind of pressure on it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. yeah i go i've run i've run a lot so i'm i'm incredibly fit now since march because i just yeah. i literally do just go running you
1: know <laughs> way to clear your head and get some yeah. time for yourself yeah 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 Yeah, <laughs> um and what about for yeah i guess you're talking about before people that are you know at us in their 20s or 30s or you know, uh, um, panicking that I, I need to, I'm not in a relationship, I need to find one. Um, what's your advice to people like that? Or what would you say when people are feeling like that? You know, that desperation to try and manifest something and worrying about it. Mm-hmm. How, how should, what should you do in those situations?
2: Okay. Being desperate to be in a relationship is never a good sign. Yeah, ever a good sign. So depending on how desperate you are, if you're really, really desperate and feeling incredibly lonely without a partner yeah, uh, and you have been in a relationship before, then I would say go and get some therapy before you start thinking about getting together with anybody else. Because there's something there in that desperation that needs to be worked on. Because that could yep. also be... That that desperation to, to be together with somebody could also be the very thing that pushes people away from you. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a really important thing, actually, to, to go and explore that a little bit in with a therapist. Um, yeah. Getting together with somebody. If you're not in that desperate situation, I would say, um, if you have already been in a relationship, make sit down and really think reasonably about what it is you need in a relationship Mm -hmm. and then make five points only five because otherwise it becomes too much five points of the most important things that you need in a relationship Mm -hmm. so um for men and women if if you want children you need to make a note of that and that is a, a conversation that you need to have early on in, uh, the relationship not the moment you meet you know <laughs> have yeah. a little bit of fun first <laughs> but it's one of the things that frequently now more and more frequently come up in uh, therapy where one person wants children and the other one doesn't and they've now been together 10 years and you know do they stay together or do they split up um are they both young enough to have children now specifically women
0: um, yeah
2: and all of these kind of things so there's a lot of things there to consider But that's for when the relationship begins to settle down. Yep, yep. But a really important uh, conversation to have. Um, Yeah. um, So five five things that you really need. Um, And then don't compromise on those. Just don't. You might fall in love with somebody who can't satisfy any of those points. So enjoy the falling in love, but don't develop it to anything. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that is not going to work you are going to be compromising yourself too much and that's not what you need.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So
2: the way to make the point is, for example, if if you say, oh, I want somebody with a good sense of humor. Yeah. That's one that I've heard so many times. Yeah. I really want somebody with a good sense of humor. Then they end up with somebody who takes the piss all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And it drives them insane and the relationship (laughs) ends up nowhere. (laughs) So define what you mean with a good sense of humor. You know, What do you mean with a good sense of humor? Do you want somebody who takes a piss? Do you want somebody who can <laughs> crack a joke? Do you want somebody who laughs at your joke? Do you want somebody who can see the funny side of life? What is it you want in that good sense of humor bit?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: You want somebody who can talk with you, somebody who can have a conversation with. Great. What kind of conversation? Do you want to talk about football, racing cars, sewing, knitting, makeup, shopping? You know, what do you want to talk about? Or do you want to talk about what goes on for you? Mm. Okay. so how are you going to discover these things? Now you've identified what it is that these five points actually mean to you. How are you going to discover that in the other person? Yeah. So if you start thinking about that, you don't necessarily have to have a strategy of how to discover it, but you can start thinking about it. If it's in the back of your mind, you will notice whether these five points are there or not. Yeah. just transpire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'll be automatically sort of looking out for it. And as you're meeting different people, you'll be picking up on whether they fit into that or not. Yeah. Whether they offer that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's a complicated sort of area, I guess. It's there's so many oh, elements yeah, to it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's, uh, um. I think there could be a, a good business in linking up with uh, dating websites and actually having one to ones with people on on this level. You know, what is it you're really looking for? Definitely. But, but via not just on a form via Zoom, you know, face to face kind of stuff.
1: Definitely, I think there'd be so much yeah. in that. So much. Yeah um and and also is it it's important i guess not to force things because you know sometimes you can meet someone and on paper it you know it's it sounds right but and everything seems to be there but you're just not feeling enough or maybe you're not ready or you're going through other things in your life when you're feeling like that is it important um to communicate that and just be true to yourself in okay this is you know what i'm feeling right now i'm not going to force myself to go and um, I commit or do things that um mm. I'm not I'm not sort of uh, you know aren't, aren't coming naturally to me at the moment. Uh,
2: you you know if if you want an honest relationship then you yep. need to start off being honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
2: you know, absolutely that, yeah be honest if it is that it's something you know I, I'm not ready for a serious relationship right now but I'm quite happy to go out for a few drinks and have a bit of fun. Yeah. Um. However, those. Kinds of relationship usually turn a little bit more serious sometimes than perhaps you want them to be. Yeah, um, it's very easy for the other person to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's not a problem. Yeah, I can do that too. Yeah, no, it's all I'm after, really." Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just so they can sort it of... turns,
2: yeah, so that mm. they don't have to turn around and say, "Ah, oh, right. Well, in that case, this is not for me."
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Because that's a challenge, isn't it? Definitely. We don't want we don't want challenges when we first set out. Mm. We want it to be nice and gooey and lovely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that can become a problem in itself if that happens, yeah.
2: Yeah. But no, absolutely, just start out honest. If you want an honest relationship, start off being honest yourself. And if the person doesn't like you being honest, then it's not the right person for you.
1: So really, if you want, yeah, one of the most simple things you can do is, like you're saying, just be, communicate, be upfront, be honest, just always voice what you're feeling, even even if there is that fear that that might hurt the other person. If you be brutally honest like that, then um, it'll, it'll work if it's meant to work, I guess. And if not, then yeah. you'll realize, okay, like you said, that's not for me and you can move on to the next meeting that someone who might be right for you
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah um are there any other things regarding you know the work you're doing or you know in relationship wise that you think are important to to sort of raise here i mean i've been asking i guess questions that i've sort of written down and that have come to mind but yeah i don't know if there's anything else um you think would be important to raise
2: oh well um That's lots of stuff. Um, Intimacy changes over time, Mm -hmm. definitely. And it means different things. Um, As as couples get older, it means something different to when you first get together. Yeah. And sometimes men and women find that change really, really difficult to, to manage. We seem to believe that unless sex is what it was when we first got together it isn't, it isn't what it should be. So we believe that it should be this, that this, um, you know, intensely passionate, intimate, erotic kind of thing throughout our the life of the relationship. And it isn't. Mm-hmm. So physical intimacy has different purposes in a long term relationship. So we can uh, need sex if we just need a bit of nurturing we've had a hard day or a stressful day and we just need to be nurtured or we can want it because we are celebrating something we're feeling good about ourselves and we're feeling good about our relationship and our partner we can want it because the sun's shining we can want it you know there's so many different levels of physical intimacy and uh, it's, it's being willing to explore that as the relationship grows can really open up something completely different—a a, a broader, warmer, more uh, deeper sense of who we are together.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So going into physical intimacy, expecting it to be all a passion and stuff like that throughout the relationship and nothing else—is you're not going to get that. You're going to miss out on a trick there of deepening yeah. the relationship. Um, And it's that depth of relationship that will get you over the worst times for the relationship too. Yeah. So you can have some really awful times where the world is just throwing all kinds of things at you. And at the moment, I think a lot of people are feeling like that. Yeah. Um, And if you have that connection, that physical connection where you can can act out, if you like, um, or get from your physical intimacy something that you cannot get in any other way, that is just one of the most wonderful things that you'll ever experience in your relationship. And you will yeah. not get it anywhere else. Yeah. So sometimes people, some people might go out and have an, an affair when they feel like that, when they feel in yeah. need of something more. Um, and actually... What they need to do instead of being drawn outside of a relationship is turn their head and go inside the relationship, but go further than they've ever been before.
0: Yeah. And that is that is
2: the opposite of what they want to do, but it's where they're going to where they're more likely to get what it is they truly need it's not going to be instant they're going to have to do a little bit of talking and exploring and uh, sorting out a few things before they'll get to the point of actually connecting in that way but it's going to make their relationship deeper more um, passionate warmer and definitely more together
0: yeah yeah so
2: yeah i mean just bear in mind taking that harder changes yeah yeah. yeah yeah you know
1: yeah definitely definitely and not like you said not looking for it to be this this thing that you would see in a movie for the entirety of the relationship and realizing things are cyclical and things change and evolve and you know that's life I guess it's like sort of Mm. completely unrealistic and it would it would be almost impossible to have a long-term relationship if you had those expectations it's
2: well, Not- I mean, people do. I've I've had people come to psychosexual therapy who haven't had sex for twenty years. You know,
0: well, it's yeah.
2: it's shocking. Yeah, it, it's shocking yeah. and sad. And and oh man, how do you start again after twenty yeah. years? You know, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, that is yeah. really really sad and really yeah. hard on both of them. Then, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's this... It, and you don't even have to go to the movies. You can you can just look online and, and read the various articles that uh, mm, mm. say things like, oh, uh three ways to beef off your, your sex life and uh, this is how to give him an orgasm, this is how to give her an <laughs> yeah. orgasm. Well, you know, that is just the cherry on the cake. It's the journey getting there that really matters, especially yeah. in long-term relationships. That's where all of really warmth and connectedness goes on.
1: Yeah, because I'm... I mean that that would be because I know yeah people can probably get very consumed by making sex the in you know the cornerstone of the relationship, but sort of it should be really one one part out of so many different things, isn't it? That's just sort of you it's know, all interlinked. The, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's all that, that we said in the beginning. It's all interlinked yeah. because yeah. you know if if you wake up in the morning and reach for your mobile phone instead of turning to your partner to say good morning yeah that's where it starts yeah. like
1: what you said at the very beginning yeah mm. yeah so it's sort of everything connects for the bigger yeah. thing to yeah yeah and you've got your new book um can you tell me a little bit more about that and and for good anyone listening it. please yes and <laughs> There we go. It looks great. Talking therapy. It's a very
2: handsome book, isn't it? Yeah. It is a hand. <laughs> no,
1: it's very, very, very handsome. Very well designed. So, um,
2: yes. So it's called the essential companion to talking therapy. Yep. And it is for anyone who is looking to start therapy, who is in the therapy, or who is just interested in therapy. So okay. It's uh, yeah. It's it's anything, and it, it starts off before you go to therapy. Right. So it's right at the beginning. When you first have that first thought of mm, maybe, maybe therapy would help me, mm. that's where it starts. Um, and it has all kinds of um, things in about – let me have a look because I can't remember now. No, that's not true. Um...
1: <laughs> but that that would be hugely beneficial because I've, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who will say to me, I, I want to see a therapist. I want to see a psychologist. I don't know where to begin. I don't know who to talk to. Right. It's, like, yeah. it's it's overwhelming. How the hell do you know exactly. who's going to be right for you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there is uh, there's a chapter specifically on that in here yep. um, about the different um, titles of therapists and what okay. they do, um, and also um, who is good for what. And that's also a summary because that there's over 400 different therapies now available in the world.
0: Well, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a lot.
2: How do you choose from that? So that's I've insane. broken it down. I oh, know, I've broken it down into a different way of looking at it. So, how how do you work best when it comes to therapy? So, if you look right. at your life in general, do you learn best through. Um, did you enjoy having homework, for example, when you were at school? Do you like having that something to do in between sessions?
0: Uh, Because if you
2: do, then there's um, things like CBT, for example. That's just one of them. (coughs) Excuse me. If you do, then CBT would be good for you because that does require you to do exercises in between sessions. And if you don't do it, then CBT is not going to work very well. Yeah, Okay. yeah. Um, then there's, um, another one, which is contemplative therapy where you're more thinking and, and, uh, discussing and talking and exploring what it is that's going on, but there's nothing to do in between sessions apart from just carrying on thinking.
0: Mm. And it doesn't mm.
2: matter what it is that you're thinking about, whatever it is that happens, you bring back to therapy the next session. Yep. Then there's the two together, integrative therapy, where you have a little bit of homework if you want to, um, and a lot of contemplative uh, kind of stuff going on. Yep. So that's the way I used to do psychosexual therapy, depending on what the what the issues were and who the people were. If they liked having something to do in between sessions, then they would get homework to do. Um, if not, then we would talk about what they might like to do. And if they did, then that was fine. If they didn't, we'd talk about it anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so it's a more flexible approach. There's, um, there's also um, more art-focused therapy. So there's drama or um, painting or writing. So if it is that you would like to try and express yourself through um, I don't know, painting something, or through really expressing your emotions in uh, in a dramatic kind of uh, um, thing. So, so in drama therapy, you would imagine being other people, yeah, as well. Um, so those kind of areas might be that they're, they're not as common, but they are there. It's an option. Mm. You're still contemplating stuff, but you're expressing it in a different way. Yeah. There's also an emotional expressive kind of therapy, um, EFT, emotionally focused therapy, where it's um, more focused on what it is that you're feeling in the moment or what it is that you're feeling in the, the situation that you might be talking about. So it focuses on on the emotion, um, where the other therapies tend to be more um, thinking about stuff and situations and how we might have behaved and reacted and our emotions do come in there but it's not focused on that right so there's those different types of therapy that we can choose from and if we know which one is best suited for us which one we would like to work with at least when we phone up a therapy we can talk with the therapist about what it is uh how we prefer to work and whether they can work with us in that way yeah The more we know about therapy and the more we know how we would like to work in therapy, the more chance we have that our investment, both financially and emotionally, is really going to work well for us. Mm. If we go in to a CBT therapist, but we really don't want homework, we're in the wrong place. We're wasting our money and the therapist's time and our time. Yeah. It's not going to work. Likewise, if we do want... Uh, homework but we go to a contemplative kind of therapy that's not going to work for us because there won't be enough for us to do between sessions
0: yeah yeah so
2: so it's really important that we figure that one out and it's it's all in in this book um and i also write about how come i mean one of the questions of uh of When I was researching some stuff for this book, I went online on Reddit and asked some uh, questions in the subgroups. And uh, uh, one of the things that kept coming up was, why can't I be friends with my therapist? Why can't I meet them outside of therapy? Mm. We get on so well. Well, in therapy, you need to get on well with your therapist because otherwise it's not going to work. It's all about the relationship that you have. That's a big part of therapy. So I'm not surprised that they're friends with their therapist in the session. Yeah. A therapist cannot be your friend, though, because then that therapeutic um, relationship is compromised. A therapist needs to be neutral because you need to trust them. That sounds odd, but you need to Mm. trust that they're not going to spread anything about you. They're not going to talk about you. They're not going to pass judgments on you either. So the moment when we start passing judgments on others is when we engage all our um, social conducts and all of that kind of thing. This is what you should be doing. This is what you should be saying.
0: Yeah, we leave
2: that outside the door, which therapists tend to do. That's one one area. Another area where we tend to make judgments is when we're friends with you. Mm. We know you're in a different way. So we know different aspects of you. We've formed opinions about you in that way. And if we are friends with you and your therapist, then that is going to come in. That is going to set in and we won't be able to work with you in a a steeper way.
1: Um, Is it also dangerous to then be in a sense where someone is having problems that they're not addressing through a professional, but they're leaning on a friend who, you know, the friend might have their own issues and not Know the answers themselves, but they're leaning so much on that friend for continued advice. Is that dangerous? Because you see that happening quite a lot. Um,
2: um, I don't know whether it's dangerous. It, it's not necessarily or just healthy. not. Yeah, it's, sorry. It's, yeah, probably worded
1: it wrong, but yeah, not he- not healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It, it's back to the attachment theory, isn't it? i mean, yep. What one yep. person really needs, and the other one needs to be needed. So it might work in that way in a friendship, but it isn't therapeutic. It's so, not going to
1: actually solve the no. problem. Yeah.
2: In therapy, we, we challenge our clients. Our therapists will challenge their clients in a way that you just can't do in a friendship
0: mm-hmm. because
2: of the boundaries we have. So we don't want to upset our friend. Uh, we, don't want to, um, we don't want them thinking um, we're um, awful people and, and all of this kind of thing. So if we start becoming our friend's therapist... It, it's not going to work, you know, the, yep. it's, especially if, if we're not trained to be a therapist. It's definitely not going to work.
0: Yeah, um,
2: yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in a therapeutic relationship, we get challenged, but we get challenged in a nice, gentle way that makes us think about things differently. Yeah. It's very difficult to do that when you're f- friends or when you're family. Definitely. Because you're pushing the boundaries in a different direction.
0: Yeah, yeah
2: it's also if it is that you know the therapist that you're working with personally then it can be very difficult to say the things that you need to say Um, we have these unspoken contracts also something i talk about in the book unspoken contracts that we set when we first meet some some, um, meet somebody and it's our expectations of one another so When I do this, you do that. When you do that, I'll do this. You know, those kind of things. And you'll see that. So when you get together with, um, this is why you act differently in different relationships. Yep. You know, so you might go and meet your your mates at the pub. And you're going to be one person. Mm. You're going to be interacting with certain people in a certain way. Then you go the next day and you're in a family kind of setting. You're a different person. Now you're yeah, interacting yeah. in a different way. These are unspoken contracts, and we'll have that. If it is that we become friends with our therapist, that unspoken contract will be different to when we're um, in a session with a therapist. So sure. it, it's not going to work. There's too many um, conflicts there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, and, yeah, I think everything you're saying about your new book it just sounds so helpful i think there's so many people that you know i know personally so many that would benefit from that so yeah, we'll um, spread
2: the news it's, it's i got, will it's indeed also,
1: will yeah
2: it's very <laughs> accessible it's, it's got no jargon in it's very very yeah. readable it's it might be thick but it's it's easy to read you know um and it's got lots of little case studies in that makes it even more interesting to read it's got some of my own personal stories in there too um, and it's got lots and lots of advice and good ideas. And it's even got a chapter on how do you survive after, uh, after therapy when you're finished? You yeah. Know, okay. Yeah. That's that people, important people, people, as well. Yeah. 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 And when do you return to therapy if you need to, um, yep. you know, it's, um, it's in three sections. One is before therapy, one is during therapy and one is after therapy.
1: Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, during therapy has got lots and lots of um, scenarios of what might happen, the kind of challenges that, you'll be, uh, that you will be um, going through uh, during therapy, but also um, a section on, on ethical therapy, Okay. what it is and what you do to deal with it. How you work through it, or how you get out of it, or how you report it, or and all mm, of those kind of things, which is
1: important as well. Yeah, it's
2: really important, yes, because it's something that people don't really realise. I think a lot of the time that that um, not that there's a lot of unethical therapists out there. Don't get me wrong. Sure, but it, but it could be, happen. Yeah, yeah, it can be quite tricky to uh, to really realise what it is that's unethical and what's not.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and where, so if people want to get your book and all learn more about you, where can, where can they go?
2: Amazon, Amazon to order the book. Yep. It's, um, you can pre-order it. It's not out until the 9th of February next year. 9th of
1: February. Yep. Yep. Okay. They can pre-order it. Yep. So, um, and and... also
2: I have a a website, karimblank.co.uk. Um, and that's got lots of links to other writing that I have done and that I am doing. And I'll oh, put a link to, yeah. to your podcast as well when, Great. when that's up. When yeah. it's out. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Um, so we just finish up every interview with these same five questions. We ask every guest. Um, these are just sort of one-line answers, whatever comes to mind. We just find it interesting okay. to sort of um, finish them all and see what different answers come up. Um, a couple of them mental health related just because it is a, you know, mental health-based podcast. But um, yeah. the first one is um, – best childhood memory that comes to mind?
2: Oh, it's got to be Christmas. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is, uh, oh, wow. So I'm Danish, uh, brought up in Denmark. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. we used to have, uh, well, I think my, st- my sister still do does. Um, we used to have real candles in our Christmas tree. Oh, wow. Just on Christmas Day, but uh, or Christmas Eve it was. That's when we celebrated over there. But this one year, my dad had decided we were going to put electric lights in the tree. And uh, it was up and uh, in in Denmark, we celebrate uh, on Christmas Eve. So we had a meal and as children, as three of us, as children, (laughs) we were just over the moon, excited and couldn't eat and presents under the tree and we could see them and we wanted them and all of this kind of stuff. So... This year we had, uh, one of the presents that we had was for all of us, the three of us, and we had a a sleigh. Now this is bang mind that there was, uh, uh, in those days there was quite a lot of snow in the winter in Denmark. And Mm -hmm. um, we decided we were going to use it. Now my mum and dad were sitting at the table chatting away and uh, we started using this sleigh across the floor and there were paper and stuff everywhere. The sleigh caught the wire for the uh, electric lights and we didn't realise and it pulled the tree down. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was just so funny and so hilarious. I mean, we we talk about candles in a Christmas tree not being very safe, which it probably isn't. But my, you know, electric. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was funny, and uh, <laughs> we had a laugh anyway. So yeah.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that as well. <laughs> no, um, that's okay. Um, so the next one, um, what do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health um, in society today?
2: Um, COVID right now. Absolutely COVID. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing yeah. bigger. Exactly it's, right you now. Know, yeah. The, the loss that people are feeling throughout the world at the moment, it's uh, losing family, friends to COVID, and uh, not just COVID but uh, other illnesses that, haven't been able to be treated because of um, the stress on health services. Yeah. Um, it's just phenomenal. And I think we are yet to see the, uh, uh, the outcome, um, the effect, the true effect on mental health from this.
1: 100%, yeah. 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 Um, and where do you see mental health heading in the next decade? Do you see things improving, getting worse, maybe a bit of both? Where do you see that heading?
2: Mental health... Um, I am hoping that people are going to become more educated. I'm doing my bit with this book. Yeah. Um, so that they can engage with therapy in a way that's going to help them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Help them more than perhaps it has so far. I've had quite a few clients who've come to therapy not really knowing what it is. Yeah. Not knowing what to expect. And so it's taken um sessions, their money and our time to really work work them into a place where they can really work with therapy yeah. so I think education educating people on what it is and what it can do and how they can work with it is a big part and I, I totally I'm hoping hoping that's going to happen. Another thing is that I think therapists uh, the education for therapists will change um over the next few years and there's going to i hope there's going to be more regulations on it Um, yeah so that we have um so that we hear fewer stories about how therapy didn't work because actually the person going to therapy chose somebody who wasn't uh, qualified um it's it's a tricky one but yeah hopefully that'll change
1: yeah but education really is you know the biggest thing isn't it that's sort of yeah what needs to keep, keep improving. Um, so I've just got two more here. Um, what would you say, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness?
2: Happiness? Oh, don't get me started on happiness. (laughs) Oh, um, can I use contentment instead? Um, Yeah. I,
1: I I mean, I use the word happiness because that's what most people use for that, but yeah, yeah. exactly. Contentment is probably a better way to, um, describe it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, nature. Being in nature is my is my all time contentment. On a yeah, or it can beautiful. it can rain. It can be sunny. It can be any weather. Just yeah.
1: nature. Yeah, that's yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, in a place I like where I
2: can't hear cars. You know, no cars. It's difficult in the UK. It's quite small over here compared to Australia. But uh, yeah. yeah, just nature.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, final one. Um. What would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done?
2: Oh, OK. Courageous. Um, I think giving birth. I didn't have a choice because he had to come out somehow, didn't he? But <laughs> <laughs> That's a very,
1: very courageous one though. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, possibly moving um, to the UK at the age of 18. Um, yeah, that would be tough as well yeah uh it was either foolish or courageous i'm not too sure which.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it seemed to work out so yeah probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah. thank you so much for sharing all of that i've taken so much of, out of this interview with you and um i'm sure this is going to help all of our listeners as well and um congratulations on your book as well i know oh, how thank you. well i know how much work and how hard that is to do and it looks like you've done an amazing job um So, yeah, really excited to have a look at the book myself and recommend it to other people. And um, I think it's really exciting and sounds like you've done a great job. So, yeah, thank you again.
2: Oh, no, thank you. It's been lovely speaking with you.
1: You too. Thanks so much. Thank you. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Karen Black for joining me today for Move Your Mind.